Hello and welcome to A Moon State of Crypto Brainstorm, where we come together once a week to discuss the latest trends and analysis in the crypto world. All opinions expressed by A Moon staff or guests of the podcast are solely their own opinions. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute any form of investment advice. This podcast is powered by Blockworks Group, the only events and podcast production company I trust. For access to the premier digital asset conferences and in-depth podcast content, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. I promise you will not be disappointed. Welcome to this special episode of the Moon State of Crypto. For those of you who follow the crypto market, the big news last week was the announcement that the Digix community voted to liquidate the Digix DAO and return all the remaining funds from the initial token sale to the DGD token holders. So why is this big news? Digix DAO really is an OG in the crypto space. They were there at the very beginning. They were the first ever token sale on the Ethereum network. They were the very first DAO, and they were just a bit ahead of their time in discovering and utilizing the power of the blockchain. Today, we're honored to have Mr. Mr. Sean G, who's one of the co-founders of Digix, who's joining us to discuss what really happened with Digix DAO for the first time in public. With us on this podcast is also Lenray and Hansen from the Immune team. Hansen, you've been following Digix for a long time. Why don't you kick off the session? Sure. Thank you, Hani. So yeah, I mean, for me, this is quite a special episode um, for anyone really who's been in the crypto space for a few years. Digix really is a household name. So they've been pioneering the on-chain tokenization process. And the Digix DAO itself is such an interesting economic experiment, you know, where governance of a large pool of money is uh, basically handed over to the community instead of uh, the management team or board of a company. But uh, let's take one step back and quickly explain to our audience that's not already familiar with Digix what Digix is. Uh, and I'll do that. So, so Sean and his partners Casey and Anthony conceived of the idea that the blockchain could be used to create a digital representation of gold in the form of a token. Uh, the advantages here are very clear. It's more transparent. It's more easily divisible and stored. You can transfer it more easily. And I think they came up with the idea in 2015. Then they published their white paper in, I believe, January 2016. And then in March 2016, they hit their crowd sale, where they raised almost uh, 470,000 Ether, which back then was worth around $5.5 million. And the main thing that Digix does is to provide a platform where anyone can buy tokenized gold. And I mean, uh, Sean, just real quick before, how much gold have you guys issued today, actually? Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Sean. I'm the co-founder of Digix. Um, currently, right now, we have already tokenized about 122 kilograms of gold, uh, which equates to about $6 million in street value. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, that's more than I thought. Okay. All right, so they tokenized uh, you know, 122 kilograms of gold, and um, one DGX token represents one gram of gold. And then the second component that's important to the Digix ecosystem is the Digix DAO itself, which, uh, like the name says, is a DAO on Ethereum. And that was conceived in 2016 and went live in March 19. And DGD token holders can vote on projects to fund, you know, to spur the Digix ecosystem. So really, there's two tokens that's important to know. One is the DGX token, which is just tokenized gold. And then there's the DGD token, which is the governance token for the Digix DAO. Um, so if I didn't forget anything else, let's jump right into the juicy stuff. 
this really is an industry first. I mean, pretty much every single crypto project, you know, lost more than 90% of the market value. Um, this is actually not the case for Digix, right? I mean, the overall market cap of DGD today is around 63 million, which is still an order of magnitude larger than, than what you guys raised. Yet, this is the first time that I hear that any crypto project returns the funds to the token holders. So, Sean, um, can you tell us exactly what, what project Ragnarok is, how you guys came about the idea, what happened there? Sure, yeah. So, uh, Project Ragnarok essentially is a proposal that is put forth on the Digix-style governance system to re return all unused ethers to the token holders. Um, this idea was conceived probably sometime early, early last year, um, ever since we launched the Digix-style platform itself. Um, over the period of time, we had people who were asking, like, what do you do with the unused treasury? And I think it's over the last few months that the idea of actually returning the funds became something that the community has been asking for. So the Project Ragnarok itself was designed and launched on the DigixDAO governance platform early in January this year, at the start of the fourth quarter of the DigixDAO governance. Um, I mean, unfortunately, as it seems right now that the vote has came to a, an outcome, to actually return all the unused ethers, approximately about 385,000 F uh, back to the token holders who own the GD. Uh, in short, you'll be getting a prorata of about, I would say approximately 0.19 ethers per DGD. So Ragnarok itself is just an idea to dissolve digital governance. Uh, there are of course like pros and cons of running a governance system, which will go further in detail. But I think that so far itself, um, yeah, we're just, we're just following what the community wants. I think this is self-regulation at its best, and uh, we do all we can to make things a very fair and equitable one. No, I do. I do agree. Uh, that really is a good example of how a DAO, you know, actually works. Right? You do what the community says, not what you guys, the company, uh, uh, say, which is amazing. Do they have? Some, do you have some more data on you know the voting uh, outcome? Um, how many people voted? Uh, was there whales? You know, who could shift the vote? Uh, did you guys vote yourself? Because you already, you know, you also have an incentive. Right, yeah. So um, in this quarter, in the fourth quarter of Digistyle got existence, approximately about 1 million tokens actually locked in. Uh, by the definition of locking in, means that they are eligible to participate in all the proposals that will come forward in this quarter. Uh, in context, there are 2 million tokens in existence. 1 million locked up means that there is about 50% of the people out there who wants to participate in this upcoming quarter. Uh, previously, in the, in the first few quarters when we launched, it was nowhere near a million tokens. It was somewhere around, I would say, like 600,000 to about 800,000 tokens lock per quarter. Um, I don't know who they are individually because this was done back in 2016. It was done in a period where, you know, we, we upheld the ideals of what decentralism is and we pretty much didn't know really exactly who came into the sale. So I would say that the... Token holders itself are pretty much pseudo anonyms. Like uh, we do kind of know who they are, but we don't know exactly who they are in reality. The team itself also, we have abstained from voting in this particular round. Uh, I think, in fact, even like for the last couple of proposals, we had abstained voting. So whether they were marketing proposals, uh, exchange listings, or any other sort of matter, we chose to abstain ourselves from voting because uh, some of the community out there had this idea that it could sway the outcome of the votes. Uh, in short, actually, I don't think we hold that much of an influence even from the beginning. Uh, at the start, the Digix team itself got about 15% of the uh, tokens that are available. And over a period of time, we don't really even owe 
home more or all of them anymore. So I don't think it's it's fair to say that we would have been swaying any of the outcome out there. Uh, but I think that the community has voiced its opinion that the DAO itself should be dissolved. Uh, I think I last saw the number itself, there were about close to over um, 58, I would say, token holders that were unique wallet addresses that chose to actually vote on this particular uh, outcome. Okay, and, and I assume one DGD is uh, one vote. So if I hold uh, 51% of all DGD tokens, I could actually just decide everything for myself or is it a different voting mechanism? Yes, that could be possible as well. I think it goes to show as well, like uh, one of the articles that was recently released on the web actually covered the idea of um, having the economic power to actually sway decisions. Uh, there are always, of course, learning points and learning journeys that to be, to be uh, reflected on in this governance design. And uh, perhaps it's not really the best way, but it's probably the, the easiest way to actually show uh, skin in the game because these guys were the one that believed in the vision at the very beginning. And uh, naturally, they, they held more of the voting power, so as to speak. Um, the number of votes totaled about close to about 670,000 yes and 20,000 no's. Uh, we reached a consensus of not of, of actually dissolving the DAO about four days ago on Saturday. So yes, the unique voter count were pretty low, but I would say that the participation rate was actually quite high. Um, I mean, in total, 690,000 tokens voted. That is yeah, very, very high, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I want to open up this discussion to the group now, which is I personally actually, I'm not sure what I think about this vote because you guys started in 2016 to build this new gold standard in the world, mm -hmm. completely new, you know, decentralized, um, everything transparent, recorded on the blockchain. And I mean, this is not an easy task. Uh, you know, this, this can take, you know, definitely years, maybe decades. You know, it's not an easy task. And now we are four, four, three, three and a half years in and the token holders voted, you know, hey, um, it would be better use of the funds if, if they are returned. Mm -hmm. um, don't you feel like, I mean, not just you, Sean, also, you know, anyone else here, there might be a misalignment of incentives here because there's token holders who really believe in the vision and they'll be holding, mm -hmm. but there's also speculators, investors who just want to make a quick buck. Um, and, you know, for them, the incentive is there to really just mm -hmm. vote, get the money back now if they see it's not going that well. But building great stuff takes a lot of time. And um, I feel like personally, maybe, uh, you know, not enough time was given yet. Right. Um, I mean, the, the gold token project will continue. So the token itself that represents gold, DGX, will still continue to be run by the company itself. The governance platform that was actually designed to incentivize token holders to vote on proposals to grow the gold back token ecosystem, that is the part that was seized. So I think in terms of actually building up the vision of a tokenized asset future, that is something that we will still uphold and continue to develop over time, uh, regardless whether the DAO funds are even available to the company. Uh, I think, in fact, it's something that was called out for by the community, so we're just giving it to, to them. And I think it shows a lot of responsibility and um, ownership in the sense that this DAO itself was designed to be, to be uh, a platform to have voters to be uh, making their voices heard. And it's only normal that we're just following through with the decisions of this. Uh, yes, maybe it's not enough time. Maybe the time could have been a couple more years to see how long this DAO governance could play out. Uh, but I can kind of uh, empathize from their own sentiments, having seen like you know the whole I, the whole Ethereum prices that was going up and going down again. It's kind of uh, understood that what they what they're experiencing today is something that they want to just like take 
cut losses or, or, or take profit on whichever method or the side or point we look at. Um, so yes, I think that perhaps we could have some more time. It's of course not, it's of course unfortunate to have the entire governance being removed, but if it's the community's wishes, we will just respect it and um, continue to run the gold token as per a private company, <clears throat> as we always are. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think Hansen brought up an interesting point mm-hmm. of the comparison between the long-term holders perhaps wanting to you know hold their DGD tokens for longer and some of the short-term speculators who potentially could have made, just wanted to make a quick buck. But I guess the only way to really know that is if we kind of better understand the reasons behind the decisions that the token holders came to. And I'm sure, Sean, you probably talked to a lot of people in the community. Could you kind of go into a bit more detail about what were the main reasons why the token holders came to this decision? Was it a disillusionment with the project or was it just they wanted to get more exposure to ETH or weren't as risk savvy to the volatility of the crypto space in general? I think that could help us understand a bit better about uh, why this thing happened in the first place. Sure, yeah. I think it's a combination of all the reasons. Uh, I think partly it's due to the, the number of projects that were coming onto the platform itself. Uh, some of these proposals... I wouldn't even name which one that they are, but like some of these proposals out there have been seen by the community to not be as effective as is, as the DAO should be. So the DAO's initial objective is to just spur projects that have a direct relationship to building DGX adoption. Some of these proposals have, have been contended to not grow this adoption directly. Uh, some of them were targeted more towards the marketing angle, the social media front, um, messaging channels and stuff like this. So I think it's, it's a mix set of proposals that we have seen so far that does not give the token holders enough conviction that what what the DAO has been funding so far has been great. That's one. Uh, number two as well, I think the Ether prices that have moved since we crowdfunded uh, the entire idea have is almost like up about 17 times, I would say. Uh, when we first raised the Ether in the entire crowd sale, it was priced at almost about $11 to $12 per Ether. And today you have seen like, you know, you have seen eaters that went up to about 1004 and came all the way down to, to uh, $90 and it went back up to about 170 again. So I think this whole roller coaster ride of having prices move up and down uh, are giving the token holders who came in right at the beginning uh, some form of an emotional roller coaster, right? So I, I guess that the eater prices having stayed at this kind of current level right now has given them some food for thought on potentially taking back some of their, their funds. Um, lastly, I would say that, yeah, I think that the, the entire uh, mechanism of the DAO at times have seemed to be in some way complicated for people to understand and stuff. Um, would the DAO be something that is better built for in the future when, let's say, like, you know, the whole the whole blockchain ecosystem matures together uh, or rather having this entire gold token ecosystem gain more traction and adoption? Uh, is this something that was too early to the game, perhaps? But I think that what we've what we've done right from the beginning is to make this a very fair and transparent uh, governance model, and it's actually probably the, one of the only few models out there that actually governs real uh, capital and actually gives out grants to projects that are not even related to the parent entity. So in a way, it, it kind of just showcases that the success of the DAO is to actually vote on outcomes, which it did. But at the same time, I think a lot of these token holders um, were just left feeling like they kind of had enough probably with the entire crypto ecosystem or something like that. I can't speak on their behalf, but I think it's a, it's a mixture of uh, reasons out there. 
Okay, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And kind of following on from that, you brought up several quite interesting points. The first of which was talking about potentially one reason for the decision was that in the face of it, DAO governance is quite complicated and token holders voting on DAOs is quite complicated. I think you've seen the same with your DAO. You've seen the same with MakerDAO and Aragon and some of the other leading DAO projects. Mm -hmm. So I guess a follow-up question to that is, following on from this experience of having launched a DAO a few years years ago, obviously being very heavily involved in some of the theoretical decisions as to how to even set up the DAO, and then also looking at the expanded ecosystem of DAOs that now currently exist in the market, Mm -hmm. what kind of models of creating DAOs do you think work better? And which mechanisms do you think work worse at least looking at the industry now and looking at your own personal experiences having created or co-founded a DAO? Right. I think that um, the key here is having a way to measure weighted commentary. So what I mean by this is that um, to have people who actually own tokens, who own a real interest into having the outcome of the DAO uh, aligned with their own vision is something that we should be monitoring. So for example, let's say if there could be some form of a forum where someone could only just comment or talk on behalf of what they have uh, instead of potentially like, uh, you, know, you know, someone who doesn't own any tokens and coming to the channels and just talking about uh, random rumors that would upset the harmony of the DAO itself. So I think having a form of weighted commentary system would work uh, to the advantage of a lot of DAOs out there. The, the issue with these DAOs today is that uh, every DAO itself is trying to govern a certain decision. Whether is it a consensus algorithm decision, or is it a pricing uh, oracle decision, or is it just simply about a use of funds? But the amount of people that came forward to actually talk about the decisions that to be made either don't have any skin in the game or don't have sufficient. So if we can go forward with a, a possible model where you could actually only hear from people who who matter in a way, right? Uh, I think that could create a much more efficient DAO in terms of uh, making decisions in terms of influencing each other to actually come to the same consensus. Yeah, so I think before I pass it on to Hanson, you brought up an in- another interesting point, which is something you know I've been thinking about a lot, at least within the topic of governance. So the concept of skin in the game, uh, which a lot of people in crypto use. So basically the concept of in order to make decisions, one should have some kind of stake or capital placed down to show that their intentions are in some way valid. And, you know, obviously... Within crypto and I guess within finance, the concept of skin in the game is quite natural. I guess in general, when you think about general governance decisions in politics, maybe less so. Because obviously in a democracy, for example, one wouldn't expect someone to have capital placed down to make democratic decisions. So it would be interesting to understand, at least in your point of view, why you think skin in the game matters uh, for crypto decisions and why you think the fact that I have more tokens or have more capital laid down means that I make better decisions or are more justified in making better decisions. Because I think that's quite one of the key tenets of a lot of these mm-hmm. DAOs, uh, the concept of skin in the game. And I think it may be helpful to unpack this a little bit. Uh, I mean, we don't have a magic formula into assessing who should have the most power. But I think at given a face value, someone who is able to sink in more economic resources into a DAO should be rightfully given uh, sort of a bigger say <clears throat> because he or she has uh, already sunk in the amount of resources and, and they should be, you know, in a way, uh, assumed to have that interest in being 
either profitable with the DAO or being aligned in the consensus of that particular decisions we made by the DAO. Um, we, we sort of took it at face value that those guys who came in at the, right at the early beginning would somehow be strategic with digits, right? Um, to help govern the company, to help run proposals. But I think, I guess, over a period of time since we launched, we kind of uh, underestimated the idea about strategic decisions. So let's say if Digix were to move into, were to put up a, a strategic proposal into saying that we want to do something that could potentially be considered a trade secret, how much of this should be divulged to the public? And uh, if you were to be divulged to the public, how many people should be knowing of this? One of the greatest inspirations of the Digix style is to model after the Dash uh, model itself. And in Dash system itself, you have the master nodes that were uh, responsible for making decisions. And the master nodes itself rightfully have a bit more economic power because they own at least a thousand Dash tokens, which at that point of writing, in terms of designing the DAO, Dash tokens were pretty valuable. So we kind of saw that inspiration from Dash to say like, okay, I think if someone would have that amount of economic power, he or she is, is assumed to be pretty responsible about this outcome. So I think that, you know, going forward, any DAOs out there or even um, a simpler kind of like governance model itself can be, can start its, its uh, can have a starting ground determined from who has a bigger stake or a bigger skin in the game in terms of what he or she has to lose if the DAO doesn't go to plan. It's, it's not, it's not the, the best way forward, I would say. Um, that's why we have also sort of inbuilt a reputation point system to allow someone to gain reputation from his or her right decisions over a period of time. Combining reputation points as well as the number of DG tokens you have over, let's say, if the DAO were to go on for the next few years, you would see token holders who are more reputable than one another. And I think that, that let's say, if the digital DAO were not to fall, 10 years from now or 5 years from now, if we look at the DAO governance platform, you would be seeing very different form of actors in the space. Some of them who have a higher amount of reputation, who may not have as much DGDs, but over a period of time, he or she has amassed that amount of followership uh, for people to believe that they are making the right decisions. So it's a combination of um, credits here. It could be economic power, it could be reputational points um, that takes time to play out. We could we, we could do a whole uh, episode on DAOs. Uh, very 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 interesting uh, topic, but let's go back uh, to Digix actually. Yeah. Um, I have a few questions specifically about the implementation of the dissolution now. Um, how how is it going to happen? You guys going to deploy a smart contract that allows people to burn their DGD and then the contract will have all the assets there that's still in the Digix DAO and gives them back at the rate that you said, 0.19F per mm -hmm. DGD token? Right, so um, the details of the dissolution itself will be announced somewhere towards March. Uh, at the point of writing today, we have actually been engaging a company to audit the smart contracts. So similar to what we did back then with the Ethereum Classic uh, tokens that were refunded due to the hard fork of Ethereum back in 2016, it will be a couple of contract calls that a, a DGD token holder can make with a smart contract that we will be launching. This smart contract itself would be tied to the multi-sig wallet that we have. They are holding all the ethers that we that we uh, that will be. Uh, in return, for every DGD that you will be calling onto the contract, those DGDs will be burned. So there will not be any double counting or any existence of DGD tokens after the contract calls for dissolution. 
All right, but is there a time frame? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know about it, and people who follow the news know about it. But you know, some of your token holders, I think there's over ten thousand mm -hmm. unique wallets that hold DDD. They probably you know forgot about it. Uh, you know, how do they know about it? Yeah, uh, so we'll be making uh, this information as public and accessible as possible. Uh, there will no, there will be no time limit or time period where we would institute this. So it could go on for quite a while uh, until almost everyone or everyone has gotten back their, their eaters. It's something that we've been doing as well with the ETC stuff. So we don't think you'll be changing. So one thing I'm wondering, aside from um, all the <laughs> DAO organizational stuff, very specifically in tokenizing gold, I think it's really interesting that you've, you've sort of come up with these um, uh, decisions at this time because just in the past quarter or so, we've seen a lot of... Um, companies in this space tokenizing gold. I think there's been two or three notable examples. They're on some of the top crypto exchanges. Um, they're setting up stable coins that are um, related to gold. They're thinking about things like Swiss custody. So I think it would be super interesting to see um, and, and hear a little bit more about your specific uh, experience in tokenizing the metal and what issues you ran into and what, if any, opinions you have on, I mean, are these guys doing the same mistakes? Is there hope now that um, these products are going to be more successful than what you've done in the past? What changed or is this more of the same? Right. Um, so I think that so far over the last year and a half, there were a couple of other notable gold projects that were launched uh, in the space I just think that it's kind of independent from what the number of gold tokens that were launching the space and the idea of the solution that's happening today. Uh, yes, I think that right now the economic uncertainty around <clears throat> go back to uh, around the gold prices is, is is driving gold prices up. So there's no surprise that there are more and more projects out there that want to tokenize gold because it makes sense to the investor, it makes sense to any individual out there to be getting access to gold. So I think that just the, the sheer coincidence of having this entire Ragnarok alongside the number of new token, Go token projects that will be launching, it's quite uh, coincidental. Uh, next as well is it's pretty independent. So it isn't really, uh, it's not really like um, a decision that we are taking or, or in fact, it's just something that the community is proposing. But in short, all these Go token projects like us are pretty similar. Uh, one token that either represents one gram or represents one troy ounce we are pretty much all quite the same. Uh, we, are building, we are delivering the same idea, which is to give gold exposure to token holders. The transparency and the audit status of the gold token itself is something that is being uh, modeled differently in different companies. Some companies publish the entire gold holdings. Some publish uh, reports that were done on a yearly or quarterly fashion. So I guess the corporate governance is something that differs from company to company but the token model itself is pretty much quite the same, which is just to, to lend the gold exposure to a token holder. Speaking of companies, you know, that, that tokenize gold, there are some 20 projects that were actually funded by the Digix DAO, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, there are, I would say, over 20 proposals that were funded in the last uh, three quarters. Um, are they going to continue development as well, like Digix, the company is going to, or is, um, are they going to stop after... Right, so those who have been receiving funding itself, they will be continuing to deliver uh, on whichever areas of the business they will be promising on. 
Um, I know that for a fact, one of the project that was funded, the name is called Bullion Nix. Themselves, they will be actually launching the, uh, the project as it is. So it will not be something that they are stopping on. However, there are some other projects uh, that were more related towards community building. I think those kind of projects itself will cease to exist, which is rightfully so. So um, yeah, some of them will continue, some will not, but the funding for the future milestones have all been paused as of now. And uh, no further funding will be given out until the end of this quarter, which is expected sometime in end of March. Why did I understand you correctly? There's going to be one more round of funding or, or no? No more round of funding? Uh, no more round of funding. All right. All right. Got it. Um, I do have another question going back, though, to the actual process of the dissolution. Would yeah. it be possible to do an airdrop to every wallet that holds DGD? And then I'm not sure how the mechanism would work to make the DGD lose mm -hmm. value. But, you know, that, that seems like a simpler thing to do, right? Sure. I mean, technically, it's not, it's not impossible. Uh, it's just that it is a DAO and we want to encourage participation and proactiveness. So in any regard, we would, we would rather allow people to come forward to make the contract calls uh, to the multi-sig to actually claim back their ethers. So technically, it's not impossible, but I don't think it's a, it's a feasible or practical idea to actually conduct this. It's almost like a, a rich quit uh, mechanism. Actually, I, I, I do agree here. And actually, I mean, this shows actually, I mean, this process that we use uh, shows how, how um, you know, the blockchain is really, really useful here, right? In the normal process, let's mm -hmm. say, I don't know, 10,000 people hold shares of my company. And after four years, I decide, you know, to return funds for my company. I mean, I don't even know how I would go about returning uh, the funds, um, But here, in, in the case of a DAO, uh, it's really, really, I mean, it's quite straightforward. Maybe not simple, but you have a contract. Anyone who has tokens at any point in time between now and infinity can, you know, send their DGD, call a function and, and get the F back. So uh, good, good, good for the blockchain here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one question that I have as a bit of follow-up, mm -hmm. Sean. So could you talk a bit more about what's next for you in, in the space and what's next for Digix? You already mentioned that you guys will continue to run the gold tokenization platform. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, uh, and maybe even talk a bit more about that, like what are your plans going forward, especially in this post-DAO time period? Right. Um, so I'll say that the current product line itself is just streamlined to just one other remaining product, which is the gold tokens. Uh, we want to still preserve the spirit of DAOs. So we, we welcome any other DAO founders who want to start one or in the midst of running one to come forward and ask us questions or, or advice on how to manage one properly. But I would say that the entire focus and attention of the company itself would be kept to growing the go-back token ecosystem. Uh, we still firmly believe in the vision of delivering a uh, blockchain asset that is denominated in physical gold, and that will rightfully continue to do so. Uh, at the same time as well, the DigiStyle contracts are all open source. So if anyone actually wishes to fork it or to create their own sort of like funding DAO, they could, you know, pretty much go ahead and actually launch this. But uh, in short, the company's focus is 100% devoted to growing the Go token ecosystem. And the, the DAO governance itself will just be managed from now until the end of March, uh, of which the code audits for the refund contracts are taking place, the actual tutorial and the proper procedure to actually claim back the ethers will be all published in time to come. Okay. And, and yeah, like even thinking about maybe being a bit more broad and thinking about the future of the DAO space and the crypto space, 
Could you talk a bit more about particular areas of interest, maybe outside of tokenization of gold that you're especially interested in and you think uh, are some of the most worthwhile or important areas in crypto, at least in your experience, especially given that you've been working in the space for perhaps longer than most people uh, and so probably have quite interesting insights on that. Right. Um, so I think this whole DAO episode actually kind of shows the uh, the awareness or the educational level of signing blockchain transactions. I think we're still pretty much at the early curve of actually getting people to to interact with the blockchains in a proper and safe manner. So I think that what the company will do going forward is to try to make things a lot simpler, whether it's buying gold or to participate in a DAO governance. We want to try to make things as simple as it is. Uh, and we roughly start by you know either educating the masses, continue to run the community-driven objectives, which is to make blockchain a very easy and friendly topic. So I, I guess that this is something that every project out there has a little bit of a responsibility for, which is to help the ecosystem become more mature to gain adoption across all the crypto assets, whether it's Bitcoin, Ethers, or asset-backed tokens like DGX. I think we all have a part to play. And uh, <clears throat> who knows, you know, maybe in the future, like the, the, the entire DAO space will become as vibrant as a, a DeFi space, for example. So a lot of things uh, are pretty yet to be seen. Yeah, but the educational level is something that we want to focus on and try to deliver a much more friendly way of uh, buying and storing gold. No, I'm super excited to see how you guys continue. I mean, for me, you guys have been pioneers, like I said, uh, since the beginning. We are slowly running out of time. I have two last questions, one for you, Sean, and one for everyone here. Um, did regulation play a part in the dissolution, either before to make the decision or now after? Because this is the world's first, right? Like We don't know. This is new land for everyone involved, including you guys, including me, including potential regulators. Have you guys, you know, can you share some insights on that? Mm -hmm. uh, right. So... Yeah, I don't think regulation played any part uh, in the current outcome of what the DAO is. Uh, in fact, I think what we have done so far is, is, is very proper and it's out of our jurisdiction at the moment. So, yeah, I don't think regulation played any crucial role in pro putting up this proposal. No, I don't think so either. But uh, do you have you know an opinion on that or do you know that in more detail? Because as I said, this is a world first. Right, no one has seen it before, so we don't know what's going to happen. Really, uh, I think it's a lesson to come in the future for for regulators. In fact, actually, like just to actually see how uh, responsible projects should be. Uh, if anything, I hope that you know this could actually serve as a, as a good example of what self regulation is, and we could go forward and become almost like a like a role model in some words, right? Just to allow projects to understand like if the use of funds itself were not properly utilized. Um, people who actually participated in the sale of the project should have some form of return, for example, even. So, yeah, I think if anything, it's only going to be self-regulation. That's a, a key factor in making this thing uh, what it is today. I mean, I 100% agree. And I think, I mean, everyone who, you know, was part of the beginning of, you know, the project, um, you know, it's not worse off than before maybe even better, but they could have been better off maybe if they <laughs> left the project, uh, did the DAO go on for more. Okay, Hanson, thank you for that final question. And thank you, Sean, for uh, answering all the questions we've had around Digix DAO and gold tokenization. I think now is perhaps a perfect time to wrap up. I think this conversation has been extremely important and pertinent uh, given the recent news of the dissolution. And I hope, Sean, you've enjoyed being a part of this conversation. Thank you, everyone. Thank you to everyone that's been listening and join us next time on the Amoon Brainstorm. This was it from the Amoon team. 
Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions or would like to see your topic on our next episode, reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn. We'll see you next week. Thank you.